episode 275 of the winning six podcast i'm your host adam mcgee and joining me as usual it's my good friend jordan tresky hello there jordan hello how's the conference final sound to you scrumptious (laughs) um I mean, you probably know by now, so I, I don't. I don't. What's the point of me doing like Wait, a big what? lead into this? <laughs> you mightn't, but everyone else will. It's fine. You can figure out from me. But the Bucks, uh, they won in five. Get out of town. I know. Who could Our ever? Who could ever have predicted the Bucks would win in five? Do you know? Do you know anyone? Mm... <sighs> Rowan. I, I honestly don't remember. I, yeah, I get. Yeah, everything's a blur. I feel I like at this point, Rowan, you know, Rowan's influence on the series. We could just say that he thought it was going to be Celtics and seven. Did Vin predict? Vin Baker there. Did he predict that the books would win in five? Maybe that's. Maybe that's what he was trying to say. Anyway, the books did win in five, and for the first time since two thousand and one. They're headed to the conference finals. Who they shall face there, Jordan? Right to be seen. Maybe by the time some of you are listening to this episode, you may well know who it is. It could be the, the Raptors. It could be the Sixers. They play game six on whatever night this is. Thursday, right? Thursday. Thursday. And who knows what happens from there? Raptors win. That's it. Sixers win. We go to game seven. Um, a Raptors win would also mean the conference finals start on Monday in Milwaukee, of course, where a Sixers win, whether they go on to win game seven or not, would mean the conference finals will start on Wednesday, of course, also in Milwaukee. Game five was a route, though. <laughs> I mean, I guess if we are going to start somewhere, that's where to go with this. Um, the Bucks had their first good start, although they certainly didn't sustain it for the entirety of the first quarter. But the time the first quarter finished, I didn't feel comfortable describing it as a good start. But first few possessions were certainly better than we've seen from them in that series. And really, it just set the table for them to go on and win by 25. They won each quarter. They won every quarter in the game um, individually. They just basically dominated from start to finish. They shut the the Celtics down with pretty stout defense and they got just enough offensively, which 
now that the series is over, kind of feels like that's the story of the series and that's how it played out. I know some of the games were not necessarily low scoring, but they weren't particularly good or particularly efficient offensively for either team either. This was kind of a, you know, whose defense is going to win out. And going back to something that we did talk about kind of way before, probably before the playoffs started, um, you and I were always kind of skeptical of what the Celtics offense would look like. And maybe game five <laughs> was the best example of that yet. Where Game you know, four wasn't much better either. Yeah, but game five, when they just need something to happen, and when Kyrie has said the previous game's uh, post-game press conference, I might take 30 shots. Maybe I should have done that. And then he decides to take 21, goes 6 of 21 for 15 points, one assist. Three turnovers. Do you mean 30 field goal percentage? <laughs> but I mean, come on. He, he wasn't going to get near that at times. Early on, it looked like, you know, he'd have to make a deal with the devil to get to 30%. Uh, but, yeah, he did pick it up a little bit as the game went on. As easy as expected, though. I mean, really, we can be completely blunt and honest. You can... You can let loose now, Jordan. There's no worries about, you know, this coming back to bite you in game five and six and seven. The series is done. So as a closeout, was this really what you expected? Just a stroll in the park for the books? I didn't see it to be as easy as it was. And I know there was probably some clamor. I, I made a point not to I made a point to relish in the game more plus i had you know had to write about it afterwards <laughs> actually pay attention to the game and not be distracted which is you know it can be a struggle sometimes but anyway um yeah i mean this i mean it was a dismantling honestly it was not even close i know the celtics led at one point late in the first quarter but <laughs> like it was i mean one point whatever three points what it just it it was not even they didn't even come close to threatening. It wasn't even like it was just kind of like brush you off your shoulder, something like that. It was just they were. They have led terrible. for like at most 30, 40 seconds in the entire game, right? Something like that. Yeah, it was awful. They were awful. <laughs> they were. I mean, truly humiliated. Um, there's not another way of putting it. And what is going to be the focus for us here is that the books did it to them. Um, like all of the other explorations of the series, which are going to be focused on, you know, the Celtics. Um, and even just the wording, there's all these kind of interesting. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. The 10 the seconds they, they let. Yep. That's, I mean, that's impressive, but there's all these. Uh, it's just one offensive rebound for the Bucks to reload their possession. <laughs> <laughs> but there what I can is there's all these tidbits right we could we could put that on the Celtics we could put that on oh yeah the Celtics blew it they were bad but they weren't on the court by themselves it's not like they were missing shots in an empty gym so for me it's very much a books thing so there's there's been all these great stats that I've seen uh, I have one which I'll give as an example but I've seen kind of framed as 4-1 Look what the Celtics have done. Now, somewhat even better than that. Um, Taz Mouse, who I like a lot, Taz Mouse mm-hmm. starters, he had a tweet, 
um, which was Celtics are the first team in NBA history to win their first five games of a postseason, then lose their next four. Now, Jordan, I would argue we need to start framing these things. You know, if people are going to be fair and be really honest about this stuff, the Bucks are the first team in NBA history to win four straight games against an opponent who won their first five. Come on, that's really the stat here. And I think that stands for my larger view of this series. And I think um, in this post-mortem, in this analysis, that's kind of my take on it. Like, Celtics bad, sure. They really were. Um, they were mostly bad because of the books. <laughs> like, even the shots they were missing, even shots Kyrie was missing. You're not talking about, like, just really wide open, easy shots. The books were everywhere defensively. Just there's always someone there. They're always recovering. If there's if someone ends up out of position, they're recovering quicker than I've seen them recover at basically any point in time. It's just it's just pure domination. Like and that to me is what game five offered up, I guess, as the kind of perfect capper for this series is oh yeah. One of these teams is not like the other. One of them is just, it doesn't just come down to, oh, you know, you've got a better coaching, which I think the books have. Better camaraderie, which they certainly have. Um, better strategy, better cohesion, better game plans, all of those different elements like that are talked up as, oh, that's why the books won this. I'm sorry, the books are just better. Um, I did tweet about this. I don't even know if this was last night or today. It's all the one, really. I'm pretty tired. But the Bucks are just undoubtedly more talented than the Celtics. And that's the part of the narrative that going into this season, I, for one, will say I didn't think it was true. Um, but it's the one that probably should have died already. Like, by the time this series came around and still is probably there... That it's framed as this weird thing that, you know, oh, the the books kind of came through this. One of these teams won 60 games and was the one seed, and the other one won, what, 47? And was the four seed? 49, I think. 49? Like, where is the, what is the Celtics' talent? Gordon Hayward, Jordan. It's actually, I, if Gordon Hayward is a free agent this summer, what would you be? You wouldn't. You wouldn't be giving up an offer. You wouldn't want them. Right. You're, well, I don't know what that's funny. This is so um, funny. <laughs> the way you say Gordon Hayward is funny. Gordon Hayward! <laughs> I feel it's the only way you can talk about him now. Yeah, he's terrible. It's, I mean, it's dreadful. It's really, really sad. And considering how it happened for him, the poor guy, but I mean, oh my God. Like, Kyrie is taking all of that, and this guy is just kind of... But you look across the roster, Jason Tatum, 3 of 10, minus 20. Good work, Jason Tatum. Um, <laughs> Jalen Brown probably had his worst game of the series. That does, didn't help. Marcus Morris. Is Marcus Morris the best Celtic, Jordan? The second best Celtic? In all seriousness, he had a good series. Uh, one of the few reliable players they had. But... It goes into something we've talked a lot about, and that's kind of... By the way, why did Steelers take him out of the starting lineup? 
Um, I think. Why? That was... I've got to reach here. Yeah, you did you a know? bad job, Brez. To... Especially at game five. Why did you take him out of the starting lineup? I think he thought putting weird. a bigger body in there to slow down Giannis could be a good yeah, idea. Yeah, that's going to stop him. No, it's not. What are you talking about? <laughs> I would. I would. Yeah, I would say that that's so the stupid. thing. Let's put Baines in, and Horford can be on Giannis every minute he's on the floor. I would guess was the plan. Um, the thing is, they actually got yeah, away with that. Yeah, because I worked so well the last two games. I but, mean, what are you doing? But they got away with it so much more than they could have because Brook Lopez had one of his worst shooting nights of the season uh, because he got those looks and he got much better looks than he has for a while, in part because Aaron Baines was on the floor. I don't, yeah, whatever, sorry. That yeah, was just like, uh, we don't I need to, do, but this is it. We don't need to go into the Celtics anymore. Uh, that's basically it. We've run through it. They said... Terry Rozier, God bless his soul. Uh, he said <laughs> he said some fun little things after the game. You know, the explosions are already starting to happen there. But it's kind of like, yeah, that's fine. Look over there. We knew, Jordan. You and I knew. And I'm pretty sure most people listening knew. This was how the series was going to go. I mean, there was a lot of people who weren't quite as confident. I may have been on the scale of Buck's confidence heading into the series. There is a chance that I was on one of the extreme ends. I don't know if that's fair, Jordan. Possible. There was a lot of people who thought this was going seven. Mathematically, Nylon Calculus's uh, prediction was Bucks of five. Uh, Jake overwhelmingly. Goldstein, isn't it? Yeah, overwhelmingly. That was the most... <laughs> like It was by an insane margin. Yeah, it was pretty comfortable. But it wasn't what you were seeing from... Really, I'm saying books fans, but analysts, anyone. I mean, the this was largely being anticipated as a closer series, which I I still don't quite understand. I don't. The matchup is the matchup is as tricky as it can be because everybody, of everybody the kind been... of players they have. But the books are like the books' best player, right? You know, their best player. You might have heard of him, Giannis. Uh, <laughs> we get the hill because he factors into this. But their best player is, like, not just better than the best the Celtics have. He's just in a completely different tier. There is no was comparison. He was he in a movie? Come on. No, because he turns down the movies. <laughs> That's the only reason why. I mean, he'd be getting a pretty big role in Space Jam. I'm, I'm you know, LeBron. I can't remember LeBron's uh, production company's name. They might be just trying that phone call again and being like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to be in Space Jam? Um, don't know if Kyrie is going to be in space. I think he was trying to hire a coach for Space Jam too, but uh, Kurt Rambo's got in the way. Could Bud, uh, could Bud get that Kurt gig? Rambush. Can we call him Kurt Rambush? Because he just suddenly we're talking about the Lakers. No, I, and that's the one thing. Feeds in, feeds into this it's whole. The one, no, it doesn't. It's oh, the okay, one. I have a point. I have a point. I have a point. I have a point to make. Listen here, okay? No, I have a. Point, I have a point to make. They, the C's, even last year's Bucks, there was rumblings about last year's Bucks, especially with the Celtics being down, but or being down Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. I mean, look how that changed in a year. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but they were the much more collective team. They had what second seed in the East behind Toronto. Bucks were viewed as oh, they have the talent advantage, all this stuff, and so you just always kind of like think like oh, they could push the Celtics. Maybe make be the upset because of circumstances, but everybody loves to talk about the team 
that it doesn't come quite together or the just tire fires. Because the Celtics were a tire fire. Everybody was wrong about them. I was wrong about them. You were wrong about them from the beginning, the preseason expectations. Everybody was, thought they were yeah, going to be the You're right. I was very I picked the Celtics to win over 60 games and be the ones in the East. Yes. Everybody was wrong with them from the beginning. And the same rings true for the Bucks in a much more positive way. Even I was wrong. I said there's probably tape of me on some video <laughs> saying that they would be bounced out in the second round of uh, the playoffs. Maybe they'll like just get over 50 wins or something like that. Everybody's been wrong about both teams on different ends of the spectrum. It, it's not that surprising to me that people are looking at it in a very uh, – the focus after game five, after being dismantled, everybody's looking at the Celtics way just because from a, they're, they're so much more entertaining. They, a lot of what's going on with them hinges or, or could impact what we see this summer. And, and frankly, everybody likes talking about the summer more than what actually happens yeah, from winter that, to spring. That's a very sad truth, but it's kind of also understandable when, you know, I mean, we're now at a point where within a couple of days there are only going to be four fan bases who have any investment left in what's happening yep. and 26 fan bases who are trying to get to a point where they can have... And two of those teams life. have big marquee phrases that are rumored to leave or could leave, at least. I, I should say it like that. So it's not going to go away. It's it, This is just the reality of how things are processed in the NBA. And it's... But it's what, what are you, what's going to change? I See, that's... I, I can just accept the discourse. That's kind of been my brand on Twitter in the last few days is to accept that's what's going to happen and just, you know, enjoy it all the same. Just don't don't pay any attention to that. Books fans, that's what I would advise to do. Oh, yeah. but, but I do think from a Bucks perspective, there is, there is interesting discussion to be had about the Celtics in terms of, you know, this is a Bucks team that's in the conference finals and that hopes to have this team together, um, at least the most important parts of it for a long period of time. And you're looking around, and you're saying, okay, well, what is, you know, what is the map to success here? They've got to feel they've got a good chance this year, but is it going to be something where year in, year out, they can get in the mix where if they don't win a championship, they don't get to the finals this year, we'll feel like next year could be the year, the year after that. Is it something that this, you know, has the potential to go on and be a, an annual occurrence? you look at the Celtics right now and you're like, are they the ones we're supposed to be scared of? No. Well, yeah, they were. Long term. Long term, if you're plotting out the Eastern Conference and you're plotting out who the book's competition was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was not listening. It was the Celtics. You weren't listening. It's disgraceful. (laughs) Um, Now... I mean, like, even they can kind of... Celtics fans and people around the Celtics could probably just dismiss, like, someone like Terry Rozier, who is very determined not to be a Celtic next year. He's terrible. So maybe that... Him he's leaving he's actually... not terrible. They're going to get he's someone bad. worse. They're going to end he's up with bad. someone worse. Like, this is... We could say Terry Rozier is terrible now. Terry Rozier was a key part to all of the myth-building, all of the nostalgia... Not the nostalgia, all of the the narrative, um, all of the the conversation that led to a point where it's like, this is a good team. This is a team that's really deep and can go this far now. That down the line can do this. It's all of that conversation is built upon was... 
not just Tatum and Brown and the draft picks and Kyrie or Horford. It's also built on like the overhyped just journeyman like Rozier, like Marcus Smart. Like Marcus Smart is he's fine. But that's what that's very what... effective defender. It's like if you're really thinking Marcus Smart is key to something. Wow, he's soul. that is he's great. Soul, Adam. Without there wasn't a, a lot, soul, you there wasn't a lot of heart and soul to begin with. So, yeah, gallbladder. Uh, <laughs> but hey, look, I guess the territory we're wading into here is more of a conversation for another day, um, and it's a conversation that will like just as equally be impacted by what happens between the Raptors and Sixers in that series, and what happens between the Bucks and whichever one of those teams advances in the conference finals, but. The Bucs have played the Celtics two years in a row in the playoffs. Lost narrowly once, just kind of blew the doors off with one kind of exception this year. And I think the expectation is, you know, this is going to continue to be a rivalry for years to come. At least that was the expectation. Where now you look at it and you're like, how are they bridging that gap? Anthony Davis, you know, we've seen what Anthony Davis does with the Pelicans. Want to have some other stuff um, if you really want to make that one work, even if they were to land him. So, yeah, see you later, Celtics. We're not talking about you again for quite a while, but to the book side of this, I think they prove they're the more talented team between those two. And I think if you're the, if you're more talented than the Celtics, you're the most talented team in the East. Uh, it's I I find it very difficult for that to be disputed at this point. Obviously, the Sixers have this uh, very much lopsided roster where the starting five deserves real consideration as one of the strongest starting fives in the Eastern Conference. But you look at what comes beyond that. Like <laughs> the series really was in many ways decided. It was primarily decided by Giannis. But this could have been a seven-game series if it wasn't for the impact that guys like George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Ersan. Chris. Um, I don't even want to put him in it because he's in a different category still, but Miritich, say, guys like that had. Yep. Which, like, now Brogdon's back, and if Brogdon reaches a point where he returns to starting lineups in full health. Tim all... Fraser, he had more three-pointers than Jason Tatum. <laughs> with Tim. That was, incredibly insane. That, that is was insane. pretty strong four minute spell for Tim Frazier. Uh, I tell you, <laughs> I don't is he making his case for conference finals minutes, Jordan? Is that what we saw Maybe. there? Maybe. I think the books are, <laughs> they're not just the best team in the East. I think we have to start talking about them as the most talented team in the East. Um, and that is a shift. Like, there's a lot of things we believed in. I don't think that was one. We believe they're the best player, but I don't know if all around we thought this is the most talented roster in the Eastern Conference. Like, having just seen what the Celtics really are, having seen their true selves, <laughs> the, books are, the books are really the creme de la creme, Jordan. Um, who do you want to talk about? Who specifically? We're going to go into the mailbag pretty soon because there's quite a lot of questions, and I think it probably acts as a... <laughs> as a better way to sum up the series and the way where we don't do another like three hour podcast. But <laughs> who are the players from game five or who jumps out to you first that you'd like to talk about? 
I don't know if there if there's anything new to say. I was kind of like there is. There is one new thing to say. Regarding who? A certain Malcolm Brogdon. I get oh, that's true. Yeah, I take that back. Sorry, obviously. Will we just start with him? Right, let's talk about Malcolm. Um, Malcolm's back. That all kind of came about. We we discussed on the last episode why we thought it would be a good idea. Um gonna win. <laughs> pretty much because <laughs> they're gonna win. It seems we're like gonna start Aaron Baines for a while. For the life of me, I still don't understand that. Whatever, sorry. Uh they're gonna win. Why did I don't want to get tied into why didn't they start smart and go small? What did they how many start minutes smart played 18 only? So he was probably still in the minutes restriction. And forget about it. They're gone. Dead as a doornail, Jordan. Yep. Um Uh oh. I hear a knock on the door. <laughs> Sorry. We said Brogdon. The Bucks are gonna win the series. They're gonna have a chance to close out at home. All the factors for you know nice, kind of relaxed, ease him back in were there. Seemed like he'd been ready for quite a while. And the argument, which when I tweeted about this a couple of nights ago, I know what it was. It was when the news came out that he was officially listed as out for this game on the NBA's injury report on Tuesday night, exactly. And I said, I'm kind of surprised by this. And the response was very, no, why would they play him? Just hold him off for the conference finals, which makes no sense. No sense at all. Uh, Because... They now have 17 minutes under his belt and, you know, shake some of that rust off and actually play really well uh, before you even get to that stage where you really are as close to full strength as you've been since adding Hill and Miritich by the time the conference finals open up. So news then did break early enough on Wednesday that he was probable, he was expected to play. Um, I mean, he was listed as probable, but had basically confirmed he was playing at that point. Didn't play all the first quarter. It was the second quarter before he came into the game. Books already had a little bit of a lead. Um, just the three-point lead that they carried over. He came in to start the second quarter. The Books immediately went on a 7-0 run. Um, so Malcolm Brogdon finished this series leading the Books in net rating. <laughs> <laughs> just casually. strolls. Uh, just, you know, 125 offensive rating, 82.9 defensive rating, 42.1 net rating. No big deal. Um, that in 16.6 minutes, he had 10 points on four of eight from the field, one of three from deep, four assists, three rebounds, and a block. He was a plus 14, um, which is the most positive plus minus of any bench player in game five. A uh, little passive early on to be expected. Missed his first triple to be expected. Um, did get blocked on one drive to the rim. But overall, I mean, it kind of... It included everything you want to see. He had a nice bit of playmaking. He did make a tree. He did have a trademark reverse layup. Um, he basically looked like Malcolm Brogdon for the most part. Yeah, it was exactly what you want to see, no matter what. It was like it was better than we could realistically have expected, too, right? Oh, sir. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I, I think in directly and indirectly because he didn't really take minutes away. From people that were established in the rotation, he took minutes away from like Sterling and Tony Snell. But he, he didn't even because he got 
garbage time minutes. He came back in for garbage time for like I know, but I'm just talking minutes. about like that. You know how like Snell or oh yeah, Sterling but it was, was it was that. even less. I'm saying yeah, taking away from other guys like Sterling kind of had a weird one game back into the rotation, but I'm not sure if he was fully back in as much as that was just the foul trouble in game four. Um, the door. But yeah, it was very much seamless in all kind of in all ways and. A lot of encouragements to be had there. Um, they went to some kind of different lineup looks. When he went in, they went smaller, which was interesting. Three, I think Zach Lowe talked about three guards. It was like him, Bledsoe. It, it was it, no, it was Middleton. It was the three guard. That reference, was one. I think the other one was the three guard reference came on the broadcast. Um, our good friend Marvin Albert was classifying Middleton as a guard. Yes. Um, but uh, the lineup that Lowe tweeted about was Bledsoe, Brogdon, Middleton, Giannis, and Miritich, um, which he has kind of been talking about on recent episodes of Low Post as well. Uh, he likes the idea of the combination of guards and creators paired with Giannis and Miritich, which, look, we all understand. That's kind of... Oh, I take it back. Take it back. It was Bledsoe, Brogdon, Connaughton, Miritich, Giannis. That was another one we saw. Oh, very brief. Yeah, I don't remember that one, so it must have been very brief. Um, but it's gonna be interesting to see what he continues to do with that. I mean, look, depending how things go, there could be another week before the books play again. He's gonna continue probably to practice harder than any other book and continue to work on his conditioning, getting his feel. But a real positive to um, get his feet wet and also to play seventeen minutes. Like that's not. It's not like he played. Five minutes, play ten minutes. They're real minutes that if he's working up from there, if it's a game one and he plays twenty-two minutes, like it's such a big deal considering what the books were doing without him to then be able to add. Oh, let's play Malcolm Brogdon for twenty-two minutes. It's an incredible luxury to have based on a team that I mean has been historically dominant already in the postseason. We. Probably should be talking about things like that, but they they set the record, I believe. I think for most double digit wins through two rounds, and by for most twenty point wins through two rounds in playoff history. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> which you know people could say the Pistons. They can't do it as easy with the Celtics, particularly with some of the strengths the Celtics were supposed to have had. Uh, but it gets Pistons to a point where it's just like. <clears throat> what? Who said that? Who said that? I think it was. I, I, think, it might, I think it was you, Jordan. Oh, I, I yes. saw. Anyway, <laughs> basically, the rich just got richer. Is what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. Brogdon is back. Things are good. Um, Those one percenters. George Hill did not take a backward <laughs> step in Game Five either. And this just... if he did, it was it was because he was about to attack a mismatch and then blew by Marcus Morris, who should be in the starting lineup. Good enough, enough. Do you think you've got that point across yet? I looked it up by the way. Aaron Baines minus thirty eight for the series on the court, plus twenty five for the Celtics when he was off the court. So why are you? Oh, whatever. Plus, their well, starting lineup was their best lineup in the series, I believe. So changing that for this game was a particularly interesting strategy. Um, you keep trolling me off my train of thought by just bringing up Marcus Morris. It's happened like four times now. But George Hill, I mean, 
he's not just continuing to play well, he's maintaining this absurd level of play that he's brought out in this series. I mean, the big question is going to be, is this something that carries over? But then if you think of the potential matchups, like, say if it's Bucks Raptors, if he could do it against the Celtics, why is he not going to be able to do it against the Raptors? Like, he is. He's going to be facing what? Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Norm Powell, Pat McCaw, maybe a little bit of Danny Green. Is Jeremy Lin just not playing for them anymore? Yeah, he, does, he doesn't play ever. That's yeah. very strange, right? Like, Lin is very capable. I'm not He's saying fair. you want to go heavy Lin minutes, but they could give him minutes, particularly in some of the games where they've struggled recently. You'd think you'd be like, yeah, let's play Jeremy Lin, but they don't. Um, I don't, I don't know. There's not a lot to really say on George Hill other than he keeps just exceeding expectations in a really significant way. We could have expected him to be good coming into the playoffs. I think we did because he finished the regular season so strongly. But the level that his play has been at has been really something special. Um, I thought, I guess we'll go through role players again mostly before we touch on the big three. Um I thought Ersan had another really good game. Mm-hmm. He, he did have that foul, um, that flagrant that was called in Jalen Brown, which was weird and yeah, not ideal, not great. But um, otherwise, thought he played pretty well. Shot the ball as well as he has, I think, in any game in the series and rebounded well too. Um, Pat Conton again had 11 rebounds. He just keeps grabbing double-digit boards. Um Nico had a good start, not so great as the game. I still went think I, I would contend that he had a great game because defensively he was flying for rebounds, really helping defensively and stuff like that. It wasn't a good offensive game, obviously, but do you know or do you want to have a guess at what his defensive rating for the series was? I well, I may be ready on him, so I oh yes, so you already know. Okay. Yeah. I should I should have remembered because you told me that. He's a 95.8 defensive rating for the series, um, which is really good. Now, it is kind of middle of the pack on the books because they are, you know, a ridiculous... That good and the Celtics were that bad. A juggernaut hiding in plain sight. I mean, for the playoffs overall, the books have a defensive rating of 98.2, which... Played the hits of 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. Oh, God. <laughs> Jordan, is it just me? Or are you more talkative than usual today? What a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> I always want more, Jordan. And then when you get it, yeah, I'm so grateful. <laughs> it's just harder to keep it all together. I'm trying to keep the, the train on the tracks here. Um, <laughs> I mean, across the board, if you look through performances in the series, it's pretty close to universally brilliant for the books. Brooke stands out as someone who didn't have a good series, but we all know the reasons why for that. He actually had a negative net rating, minus 1.4. Books offensive rating with Brooke on the court, 97.9 in the series, which is very much out of step with... the hits of 20s, 30s, and 40s. (laughs) Because it resembles the shooting percentages. That might be too generous. Another player who didn't have a very good offensive rating, 
but had uh, the best defensive rating of anyone other than Malcolm Brogdon. Do you want to take a guess on who uh-huh. this is? Yeah. Let's add a 91.3 defensive rating for the series. Jesus Christmas. <laughs> like, that's in... By the way, a very solid game five. Very solid. solid. No, there was one stretch where he was, like, looking like a chicken with his head cut off, but... That was not good. Also not good was... Nope, no, 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 it was great. Was when he was trying to... Nope. He wasn't even trying. He was making a a T gesture to the official, trying to get uh, Kyrie and Horford, it was, I think, who were both there, teed up when the refs did oblige and... Horford got teed up, right? And Stevens. And Stevens. But Bledsoe was just as like, just just be quiet and go back down the other end. It was not beautiful. Chris Middleton, to his great credit, um, very good series. Maybe his greatest contribution of all was running down the court and taking his friend Eric Bledsoe out of that and being like, come on, Eric, let's just win this game and move on. It was basically forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. I mean, that's it was the Celtics equivalent of that. Chris Middleton was coming in, draping his arm around him. Just, let's move on. This, this Celtics thing, we don't need to worry about it anymore. You just come down here, keep doing what you're doing. But 18 points and 7 of 14 shooting, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. Good game. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm, you know what, Jordan? I think I'm almost out on this series. I don't think I have a whole lot left to say. Nope. We move on to the mailbag? Let's. Okay, so the first question from a Bango Trap House. Are we a year ahead of people comparing Jason Tatum to Jabari Parker? You know what I say? Why not start doing it now? Jordan? No? So is... What is this implying that he's gonna tear his ACL? Oh, I don't know. Just that he's not really that good. No, I've no, I, I've no idea. I, I just, I, I don't think we are really anywhere near that being a thing. Um, I think he'll probably be better next year, but his season and some of the year-on-year adjustments he decided to make to his game are truly remarkable. Like beyond I think that comprehension. could be applied to a lot of second year. Look at Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell just didn't I think the, play these as things well. Are always there, but it, because it's rookies and they're playing for productive teams, they're advancing deep in the playoffs. It doesn't get as much notice. I I don't. I just think Donovan Mitchell wasn't as good this year, which is perfectly fine. That, you don't think he was good in his rookie year. I'm not saying he wasn't good. I'm saying they were... The... He was the rookie of the year. I mean, he should have been rookie of the year, but anyway. I believe that goes to... What what defines a rookie these days? Well, you know? It's not like a weird little kind of cul-de-sac of players who I don't like here. Uh, it's just this kind of... It's the Bermuda Triangle of, you know, overhyped basketball players. Young basketball players. I'm, not, I'm actually nodding. I like Donovan Mitchell a lot, so I'm not including him in that, but... I I I I I knew Tatum wasn't having a good season. I wasn't all that impressed when I saw him throughout the year. My eyes were opened wide, Jordan, by what we saw in this series. 
Um, and I would be a little bit concerned if I was a Celtics fan because it doesn't just feel like, oh, you know, second year, not quite as good. You're like, wait a minute, what? what is this guy thinking? It's like decision-making stuff that's got worse. Not quite sure I get it. So, yeah, definitely a player who'd be interesting to watch going forward. A player that if I'm like the Pelicans, I'm kind of like, um, yeah, let's just let's just chill here. Actually, that is one question I would kind of like just your thoughts on. Having got a really good look at the Celtics and what they have, and obviously the Pelicans have a real GM and a GM who's already expressed like a desire to keep Anthony Davis. And if I was Anthony Davis, I mean, yes, they we could take as just one snapshot. He could look at the Lakers. He could look at the Celtics. Maybe he should just say, yeah, you know, I'll stay here just for the moment. What was that one team that was on his wish list? Oh, those Milwaukee Bucks. Oh. <laughs> Are they number one now? I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> I feel like you'll regret making that reference that I hadn't even gotten in my head because, you know, you, you, you're an influencer, Jordan. You might just have started. I'm not an influencer. Dude. You're I'm an influencer. No, um, no, no, no. If you were David Griffin, is there anything you want from the Celtics for Anthony Davis? You, I mean, they still have a good amount of picks. Player-wise, though, I mean, and that's got to make up a part of... What players are you saying? I think I definitely want Jalen Brown. I've always, I've always been partial to him. I so. mean, you, there's no harm in being like, oh yeah, we'll we'll have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but the Celtics will likely say no. Um, but my thing for the series was, I, I Tatum is probably Tatum is probably better than Brown, and will probably end up better than Brown. But if I had to make a deal right now, I think I would feel much more confident that. Brown was going to get a level where I wasn't going to feel completely, you know, stupid by the end of it. Tatum, there's some variants that I wasn't necessarily seeing there. Brown, he seems to just have a bit of resilience and the right kind of attitude that you're like, yeah, this guy is this guy's going to make it work. And he's notably like an actual genius, not one of those basketball geniuses. <laughs> Jalen Brown is an incredibly, incredibly. Where did they come from? I have no idea where they came from. Basketball genius. Yeah, Kyrie Irving described himself as it like last oh. week in a Jackie McMullen piece. He there was he talked about how he sees the game differently to other people and how he's a basketball genius. Yeah. You really miss that, and you're only finding out after the series. I just I, there's so much stuff. There is that's very true. Um, <laughs> from Bango Trap House again. Assuming everyone is healthy, do you think there's any upcoming matchup that would result in DJ playing time? No. Garbage he, time. He will see the floor when Tim Frazier sees the floor. Yep. Like, again, love DJ. Uh, excited, excited for what DJ can be next few years. Like, have the books needed DJ Wilson in the first two rounds? No. I, I always get uncomfortable with the lean in and whisper. It's ASMR. Yeah, it's it's loud, but it's a whisper. Um, did Miritich and Urson hurt the books in any way where you're like, they need to play DJ Wilson over those guys? Not at all. They were both actually pretty good. <laughs> so, 
I don't see DJ minutes. Injuries, that's the only way. So let's hope not. I mean, I think him getting healthy and others getting injured would be the only time where he'd get real minutes. Knock on the door. Would. Maybe, maybe there's just some weird matchup that throws itself up. And at some point, like we talked before the playoffs, you say, hey, maybe DJ could do something there in the kind of town make or break glass in case of emergency way. But I'm not really seeing it. Like, we're at the conference finals now. It's not like the, let's just throw in DJ Wilson. Maybe he's the key to breaking. What those numbers that you were talking about? The, the Raptors are Warriors. Highest, no, the highest um, point differential, most 20-point blowouts of a, for a playoff In team. Playoff, playoff history. Playoff history? Yeah, I don't think the Bucks are going to need DJ Wilson. <laughs> Sorry, DJ. From MK Roberts, despite picking the Bucks to win the series, were you surprised? I love how you're cracking yourself up there, Jordan. Were you surprised by how early they dismantled the Celtics? I'm I'm not. I mean, I it's not a again, this is not a bit where I'm leaning into that I picked five games. I picked five games because I thought it would be easy, and I thought I didn't I wasn't predicting game one's gonna go wrong. That would have seemed like a pretty uh incredible turn of events for them to lose game one like they did and go this way but i thought they would have one bad game in the series and i thought otherwise not they'd be completely in command it's it's almost better that it was game one because i think it probably taught us more about them and them more about themselves and also may have um may have set something in place that whoever they end up playing in the conference finals won't be too happy about when they're on the wrong end of a game one beating because the way this team has reacted and kind of learned their lessons when things do go wrong this year, um, I would not be surprised if whatever, however many games you think the conference finals are going to go, whatever the outcome may be, if their best game is game one, or if they at least come out and really lay down a marker to whoever their opponent is. The Milwaukee Bucks showing the importance of why the regular season matters. That's what I want out of this. I'm so sick of hearing about switches being flipped all this stuff the warriors everybody gets it oh oh the celtics they were getting it too heading in the series sixers no you show it in the season it's gonna bear out in the playoffs how many examples of it not bearing out is there really i don't know if you know but uh you know the hawks got swept by the (laughs) at what point did they get swept conference finals yeah like if you're getting to the conference finals you're not like just it's not like you go oh discard the regular season it was all fake it's like okay you failure to adjust that's what did the men i'm not i'm not taking that bait (laughs) this is how giddy you are today you're actually trying to bait me into that one um (laughs) do you want to answer the question were you surprised by how thoroughly they dismantled the celtics um, you were. I think you were based on. I think it was in the in some element. I didn't think Game Five would be like that, though. I did think that they would win, definitely one on the road. You did. You said that all along. It's yeah. one of those things with this team that once it starts happening, it's like, yeah, of course they're doing this and they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. It's like if, cool. if anyone has a moment's doubt, 
then they start doing what they do and you're like oh yeah yeah no this is over this is fine um yeah, yeah. the next one from an og jeezy next round books in four five six or seven and who do you think they will end up playing in these <clears throat> finals I think it'll be Toronto. I think so too. Um, Embiid is too worn down. Whatever the deal is with Embiid and with like his illness, he had gastroenteritis and now he has the flu and he just generally looks awful. Um, what was there was like a weird Brett Brown quote? I mean, there's they're all weird. really there was yeah, but there he was talking about him. I mean, for the sake of keeping my Brett Brown impression alive. Go on, you, do, you, do you want to find it? What, the quote? Do you want to find it and like perform it? I thought that's where that was going. Well, he said something about a bead. Here, you might have to. I might have to kill some time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I can get my part of the answer to this. I still sort of have a feeling that the Sixers will win game six. Um... But it has every game hasn't gone to home because the first two were split. But home court might just end up being the difference. And yeah, and B just doesn't look that well on the tank. Jimmy Butler has been great, but they need someone else to do some stuff. <laughs> I, found it. Oh, I didn't even sorry. get to answer it yet, but go on. No, what he's did, just like it was after... What did Brett Brown say? Do I need to ask Brett Brown a question for Brett Brown to answer? No, he was just <laughs> I, I shouldn't be laughing because he is clearly sick or something, but he just keeps, it was after game five and he just keeps using the word temperature. <laughs> he's, like, he's trying to get out of bed. I can't do it. No, that was actually your best. Yeah, keep going. He's trying to get out of bed with a significant temperature. That's what I say. I can't do it. A really tough word like to say with the Brett Brown. Temperature. Yeah. I'm like surfing. I think, he, I think he would say the A. I think you need to temperature. I think it's grossly unfair. <laughs> See, I can't do it. I can't do it. That's your best. Yeah, I don't know what you're no, talking about. That is so I good. That people, let us know what you think of Jordan's Brett Brown. I think he's just... <laughs> Here we go. But he's had a temperature for the last few days. That's I, I can lose it. It's all over. Uh, what is the point of just you starting and then quitting on it every time? <laughs> well, that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dark turn. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not answering this question because I want to keep the powder dry. I, I think they'll play the Raptors, but I don't want to give my prediction just yet. I feel like that's, that's something. Gonna, we'll, we'll do a pre. We will. We will have a pre-pod. So I'm going to hold an actual prediction back for that one. Uh, that's what they call a tease in the business, Jordan. Tease. <laughs> From an Adam G. Olison. <laughs> <laughs> what's left to ask I'm still basking in this not a second more is guaranteed <laughs> I mean oh. that's that's like some uh, some poetry there really I mean is that even about the books <laughs> did Emily Dickinson just uh, <laughs> yeah, they... come in and ask this question poet laureate <laughs> um, there, I don't know what is left to ask lots of people have done the asking um Jordan and I have maybe struggled more than I expected to to actually talk about this series. We've probably because we've done it for like 10, 11 hours <laughs> before yeah. this one. Um, 
I will argue with one part of this, though, uh, that not a second more is guaranteed. At least four more games are guaranteed. And um, probably some more than that. But uh, yeah, you should bask in it. Everyone should bask in it. This is this is fun. And this also uh, kind of important here. Uh, the, the season cannot be a disappointment anymore. I honestly believe that. Maybe the expectations have reached fever pitch now, where that if they were to go and lose to either the Raptors or Sixers, um, people would be like, oh, what a disaster. They need to change this, change that. They won 60 games. Um, they only dropped one game getting through the first two rounds. Again, historic uh, playoff play through the first two rounds. This is... This is the stuff of dreams. They have now reached that point from the start of the season. And everything else is essentially a bonus. And the best part of it is it seems like there is real legitimate cause to believe there could be quite a bit of bonus. But to me, this is the point where, for example, even for ownership, questions when the summer comes along about do we keep this team together and all that stuff, they should now be answered. I mean, the team has answered those questions. Even more so when you consider the uncertainty elsewhere in the East. Um, so, more seconds have, guaranteed, and you most, should bask in it. They have the most free pending free agents out of, well, the top four, let's not mm-hmm. say remaining, because the Celtics are officially out. They have the most pending free agents, and yet they're the one that no one talks the, about. The most stable, they're the least out. Yeah, that's just insane. From at MKE Robert, are the books your favorite to win the championship this year? <clears throat> Jordan? Hmm, I don't know. I the one thing that can be taken from this is they are very close to being our favorites. If they are not the, our favorites, they are right there. Like to me, if they get to the finals, regardless of who they're playing, if it was uh, not regardless of who they're playing, if they were playing the Rockets or Warriors, I think it's a pick'em. I think Nate Silver, because this is in light of Durant's strain mm-hmm. calf. Something about if you're into the 538 projections, something about like 60% in the ballpark in light of Durant's injury. If they were to, the Warriors specifically, obviously, if they were to advance to the finals and face, he said Milwaukee or Toronto, something around there. The Warriors have a 60% chance of winning, is it? I think it'd be yeah, it'd be favored to win. Had he answered, I mean, forty percent chance. If you had to said the Bucks fans at the start of the year, they'd be playing the Warriors in the finals, and projection models would be giving them a forty percent chance of winning. That would have seemed ridiculously unlikely, um, even for the most optimistic. I think my answer to this is I they would be my favorites, but they would still be joint favorites with the Warriors. 
the Warriors are incredibly vulnerable for the next few days, though. Like, when you look at how well, their playoffs have gone so far. Well, they're look, they're still vulnerable in the way they have been so far beyond that, but I don't know if they'll beat the Rockets twice, or if they'll beat them once without um, without Durant. I think the, the Rockets could really win those two games and pull off the upset. So, yeah, a, a lot of interesting stuff to watch out for there. And, I mean... <laughs> It's not like that the Rockets can just be dismissed in any way, but I think if the Warriors were to fall on the other side of the bracket, that would be the point where just absolute fever pitch would break out for Bucks fans, where it would feel like this whole thing is wide open. And they would probably be a clear favorite. I mean, they are second favorite with bookies to the Warriors and by quite a distance all throughout. So I don't think um I don't think the Rockets toppling Golden State would necessarily completely flipped that on its head although it would get a lot closer because i'm sure the rockets odds are significantly hurt by the fact they have to go through golden state but they're probably already my joint favorites and that could in a couple of days be fully in their favor from at john dolza we saw bledsoe brogdon middleton miritich giannis lineup yesterday granted lopez is better than miritich defensively depending on matchup but Miritich is a better shooter. Does this lineup have a chance to be our best? Does it matter? I mean... It... <laughs> I'm, I'm sincerely asking. I'm not trying to dodge the question. I'm just asking. No, but it's, I mean, it's. I don't think the question is, does it matter if it can be the best? Does it have a chance to be the best? Do you... But I don't... What I'm saying is that I think there's... I, I'm not I don't think the I don't think the inference in the question is really that like do you just completely overhaul everything to get this lineup out there more often? But oh, do yeah, you yeah. do you think that's a lineup that could be their most effective lineup? I'll I'll be honest, I'll go first. I don't think so. I like Miritich. Miritich is very effective and he certainly helps on what he's doing. There's also something about lineups when he's out there that just doesn't feel like the best version of the books to me, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I also think there's something here to be... Like, most of the books' best lineups are pretty weird. Like, some of the best books' lineups in the playoffs certainly would have George Hill and Ursan in them. Like, I... I yeah, they'd, well, that's what, that's what have, I'm getting to. Some would have Pat in them. I mean... I don't think it matters because there's so many different configurations. Yeah, to me, that's a different question, though, is whether whether it matters. I mean, if we want to, if if that's the way you're putting, I mean, we can frame it to, you know, does it have a chance to be a very effective lineup? And I think the obvious answer is sure. Yeah, that lineup could be really effective. To me, it's not. I don't think it's their best. It's not. It wouldn't be my first choice. If I'm going with to close out a game. Um, I think. Their starting lineup, like their original starting lineup, and hopefully Brogdon reaches a point where that comes back into play. But I think that's their best lineup. And even if I was looking for something a little bit different, I honestly think I'd be open to playing around with combinations involving Hill, Connaughton, and Urson. Not all three, but you know, combinations that may involve one of those three with key starters before I'd get to Meritage. 
I, I don't, I can't quite put my finger on what that is. Does that even make any sense to you? Do you know what I'm saying? That there's maybe part of it is just that he's hasn't shot like insanely well. Um, his, his spacing's clearly important. He has defended better than we could have hoped, but there is there is something that it's not that I'm troubled by it. The books are very good at Miritich, but if I was to compare him to other players and other lineups, there's something that isn't just completely winning me over on that being like best versions of the books. Do you, do you I, see that I, at I all? Definitely you... see what you're, I definitely see what you're saying. Like, would your, if you were terrifying Todd, but if you were the head coach. Oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> no, here I go. actually, I regret saying it because it's just, I've just set up the nonsense here. But no, 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 no. <laughs> Is he the guy that would be in your mind and coming to mind for kind of a lot of your key lineups? I, I just see other books players who maybe it's that they do a better complementary job in their groups than he necessarily does. Like Miritich is not going to be the most important player in your five. So if you're going small, we've seen them go small with Pat out there and Pat does all the right things to help the more talented players around them be better. George Hill has been doing that and can give quite a lot in his own right. Um, Ursan has done some of this similar kind of thing to Pat. I feel Miritich, there is something more tied to his individual production than necessarily all those other guys. And I want a lineup where it's like, this lineup is designed to get the very best out of Giannis. And Meritage spacing helps in that regard. But it's not like he's always going to be deferring to Giannis and the shots are necessarily always going to be designed in the same way. I, I'm i basically working this out. Like I'm trying to process why this is live for everyone to listen to. But I think that's ah. kind of where I'm at, if that makes any sense. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, I'll move on because <laughs> Coach Tresky here. I, I gotta keep my cards close to the vest. You never <laughs> turns know out he's, I, turns I heard out there's he's a big position ideas. opening. It's still open in LA. I might reply apply to that one. I'm gonna go for a five year deal though. I wonder how. Would you be willing to be an assistant or to have assistants forced upon you? That's the question. Who's the assistant? Who's I'm the not, lead assistant? I'm not doing it. This is. <laughs> This is when you mentioned Lakers earlier. The one thing in my head I said we are not doing after the books made it to the conference. Yeah, finals. but there is a there is a very there is an elephant in the room, and the elephant <laughs> could stay in the room. I have no problem with the elephant being here, but we're not going to talk about it again. From John Dolza, do you think Brogdon is best utilized coming off the bench at this point, given his driving ability that can be valuable when Giannis is sitting? I mean, my answer is no. He's all coming off the bench because he has to get back, get his health back to a point where he can play a full minute's load and start and do what you want him to do. But um, starting has nothing to do with him not, you know, not being on the floor when Giannis is on the bench. You just that's to do with how you stagger your rotations. But no, to me, he's a starter. He's your starting lineup is one of the most dynamic in all of basketball when Malcolm Brogdon is out there with Bledsoe, with Middleton, with Giannis, with Brooke Lopez. So for me, 
the answer to that one would be no. I want them I want them getting back to a point where he's a starter again. Yeah, I think I think that's that's what they did from the beginning of training camp, correct? That was like it was between that and the rectangles, let it fly. The quadrants. That was the uh thing with that. And if when he's I mean, he's, I would say, you know what I mean? When he's up to big minute workloads, he's going to probably go on the starting line. And even he he was the guy who spent much of the season being the the leader of the second unit. Just he was the starter that was on the floor. He was the sole starter in a lot of those rotations. So, like, he gets back to full health. You can see him start, and you could also see him play a lot with George Hill and Connaughton and Urson and. Miritich, whatever combination, which that's a fun five-man lineup, by the way. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it has any bearing on like he is a starter. His talent level says he's a starter. Um, him starting was a key factor in the Bucks winning sixty games and looking, you know, incredibly dominant. It's like let's not forget what's what actually got them there and his role in it. So, yeah, I'd be looking to get back to that, get back to where you were. And in reserve, what you added was Nikola Miritich since then, really. From MK, Robert, are we getting close to Giannis not having a reason to not take the Supermax? My honest opinion on this is we were probably very close to that already. Um, In as far as any player wants to take the Supermax, and I guess that's the, the real discussion around the Supermax. Um, and the idea of being tied in for that length of time, and which, okay, it's a lot of money, so that's a real incentive to agree to that. But it, I, there is also an element of that I do get, because even in this case, sure, the answer is, look how good the books are right now. They've done everything right. Giannis is going to win MVP. He won 60 wins in the regular season. Um... He could be an NBA champion this year. That's the place you want to be, right? The answer to that is undoubtedly yes. But you also can't see five years into the future. Like, it's quite a long time. Um, Because this is his first big contract. Not his first big contract by any means. I wish I had Giannis' existing contract. That would be quite nice. But, I mean, this is his main prime contract, really. I and he took a discount on the last one. I think he's a guy who probably should take the supermax, and will take it as long as the situation's right. But I, I think any reason why he wouldn't is not necessarily going to be tied to the books. It will be tied to just the idea of being that locked in, that restricted, that deep into your career. But the Bucks are doing everything they can. I mean, they've done everything that they could possibly have done to get to a point where that idea should be really appealing for him. And also, his, the joy on his face, he's been quite serious throughout the playoffs, and he clearly tries to be even more serious than I think he... did the scream? The scream was one thing. Which I've got like four different photos of that I know. saved on my phone. It's amazing. Every photographer seems to have got that from a different angle, and um, it was on the broadcast. Every every press photographer. So, thanks to all of them for that, because that's a reaction you want to get. 
but even beyond that um like the behind the scenes video of him going into the locker room um his demeanor at the press conference like very different to demeanor say after beating the pistons and part of that is obviously there'll be a greater freedom with this team because like we said like this is kind of mission accomplished it doesn't mean they stop here but this is you know we're not just you know the books who can't get out of the first round anymore like that is dead forever now the joy he got out of that though and talking about what it means to the city of milwaukee and everything about that i mean like maybe we should actually talk about this i feel like you'll enjoy talking about this because there's probably some individuals in particular you like to bring up um the star power in Pfizer forum on wednesday night was pretty pretty noticeable like really significant i mean generally the way that wisconsin sports have really rallied around and embraced the books where obviously aaron Rodgers has other reasons for this but you have him and danic patrick sitting courtside um you have a lot of brewers a lot of brewers at the game bob hope bob hope was there bob hope was not there amanda bynes <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> of a bias or a hope. Where I was going with this in a way that I thought had potential to actually be some of the conversation is Milwaukee is giving Giannis everything he wants in terms of being, you know, the place where he feels like he can live a normal life, the place where he's not getting hounded by TMZ like he does when he gets to LA. Um yeah, find a coach. <laughs> But there is also another thing that NBA, NBA players and athletes generally really like. And that's being around other elite athletes. Like, that is a very real thing. Like, the, the caliber of guys when you've got the MLB MVP, you've got former NFL MVP and Aaron Rodgers. Like, when all of these people are around, that's the kind of thing that players love. That's, like, athletes love that. They love to feel kind of oh, the best of the best in similar fields are here to watch me do what I do. The Bucks have got a really good thing going on. I, I think it's perfect for Giannis. From an MK, Robert again, do you have any regrets that the Cavs did not take the Middleton Brogdon for Kyrie trade that was reportedly on the table? Jordan takes a big gulp of his drink. I think this question is kind of pointless right now because how could you possibly have regrets about it right now? Like, there's there's every reason to believe that Kyrie, although a better player than both of those guys, um, having Kyrie doesn't seem like something that would have meshed perfectly into the Mike Budenholzer vision and everything that has made this season the season it is. Like in intangible chemistry kind of ways, but also, for example, uh, we talk about how great the books are defensively, and we talk about say how important Eric Bledsoe is to that, and Middleton and Brockton have played their part in that too. If you had Kyrie, not great. Um, I have no regrets for many reasons that we haven't had to cover Kyrie all season, as opposed to Middleton and Brockton. 
we've reached a point the giddiness must have worn off because Jordan's just you know gone radio silent again. I don't. I mean, I just yeah, I I, I agree with what you first said. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, he's not listening again. All right, that's what happened. No, no, when you said it was pointless after beating the Celtics or something. I don't know, whatever. Well, it's pointless yeah. after Kyrie Irving played the worst five games of his career, basically. Like to be like, oh, well, if the books had him instead of the guys that are helping them get past him. Like, yeah, he's a very good player, great player, um, better than he looked in the playoffs. Also comes with a lot of baggage, which may have had something to do with how he looked in the playoffs. So, thanks, but no thanks. From at John Dolza again, is Adam still in the Raptors are a fraud camp? The Bucks have to be the favorite if they play, but it's increasingly difficult to view this team as a fraud due to Leonard and Siakam. Let me tell you what I'm thinking here, John. I think the Raptors are a fraud. That's what I'm thinking. Um, my reasons for this have never been either of the two guys mentioned. Although Siakam is being overhyped and I think that would show up in a series against the Bucks. Um, Kawhi is, is incredible. I think he can be got at. But that's for another day if, if we need to talk about it. Um, the reason the Raptors are a fraud is, you know, the 13 guys you haven't mentioned there. And I mean, Siakam is, is Siakam is very good. He is not. If Siakam is your best, second best player, sorry, you're not beating the books. It's like, get out of town. You're not beating the books. Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, he's the fraud. Seriously, Jordan, I mean... Nothing nothing has changed on this with there the way the go. playoffs have played out. <laughs> do I need to will I pull up Kyle Larry's like Whoa. his averages against the books? Do we need to do that? You might. Do I hold that for the next podcast? Hold yeah, actually hold that for the next podcast. I'll hold that for the next podcast. Um look, they they are overall a good team because they have an exceptional star player, and I think Siakam is very good and under day, everything goes well, and yeah, good team. Um, they are not beating the books four times out of seven with Kyle Lowry. They may still not beat the Sixers four times out of seven with Kyle Lowry because he just goes completely invisible. He scores 14 points, and people are like, they got a good game out of Kyle Lowry. It's, come on, I mean. Um, their bench is like... Let me think of a kind term for it. Their bench is just not very good. Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet does not. Doesn't he, it's not that he doesn't scare me. He doesn't even interest me. It's like, forget about it. Norm Powell. I mean, this, look, I've been aware all season. There is like a 30 to 40 minute long edit to be made where the Raptors sweep the books of the conference finals. And can and people could throw everything back at me, and I'll say, "Oh, you know, I was wrong." Um, and that is all there will be to say because I will, um, I was wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I certainly haven't felt like I've been proven wrong so far. Um, on really anything related to the books, are their rivals in the East? So, I, I think the Raptors are a fraud, and it's not because of Kawhi Leonard. It's not because of Siakam, although. 
at all. Very, very, very good player. But let's just cool the Jets just a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the point is made in the question. The Bucks have to be the favorites if they play. There we go. <laughs> Anything to add on that, Jordan? What are your thoughts on Kyle Lowry? I mean, the series hasn't even... We don't even know who they're playing at. No, I'm so just asking about Kyle Lowry. Eat the powder dry. Used to be a favorite of yours. I didn't... Th- oh, actually, uh, I, well, I, I was... Yeah. I'm, I was I'll, I'll Google your name and his, and I'm sure there's articles you wrote about him. That's probably true. That's <laughs> very true. I'm, I'm doing it right now. Um, I can't believe my eyes. <laughs> Do you want to guess? Do you remember what the one article? I I mean, I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday. So, <laughs> so Jordan Tresky article from... Um, 2016, probably? 5th of, the 5th of March, 2016. Oh, Tur- no, I think I actually know what this one is. 3rd of May, either? No, it couldn't be the 3rd of May with Kyle Lowry, come on. Yeah, because it's already been really ridiculous by then. Uh, the article is titled... Uh... Toronto Raptors... Why Kyle Lowry Deserves MVP Consideration. He was good that year, Consideration. Consideration, very key word in that headline. <laughs> uh. Don't know how this hasn't come up sooner. I'm not going to talk any more about that because I've got to. I've got to do some more research on my co-host's uh, his past, you know, misdeeds, really, uh, before we continue the Kyle Lowry talk, but. Yeah, no one listening has any doubts what I think of Kyle Lowry at this point. And I will get all the blame if he torches the books and the Raptors win. I'll accept it. From up one and one. Can the book sign Hill and Miritich? Theoretically. <laughs> Only if Hill and Miritich want the books to sign them is really the answer here. I mean, that is obviously the answer with every free agent who's not restricted. But in this case, at least one of those guys is going to have to take a lot less money than they get elsewhere. What do you think Meritage's market value is? More or less or the same as what he's on? I don't know. I didn't think you'd get into that one now. Well, I just, I, I'm, I, we talked about with draft stuff. You do right. normally have opinions on a question like the one I just asked, but I normally do. But we're we're not at not one, at this time, clearly. Yeah, but this know? is a different scenario. I, you know, we're gonna. It's all gonna come to a head all at once the way this season's going, Jordan. You're gonna have to switch gears very quickly for you. You know, it's gonna have to be one day you're not talking about these things, the next day you are. Um, <laughs> did I even to begin with? Probably not. Were they words? I don't know. From exactly. Pablo Calzada 9, would you keep Miritich in the starting lineup or replace him with Brogdon as soon as he gets 100% healthy? We'll answer that one. Mm-hmm. Bring in Brogdon. And lastly, which may, or actually not lastly, I have one other. Um, from a Wesley Bill, will Brogdon be in the starting lineup anytime during the Eastern Conference Finals?
I think by the time the series switches to Toronto, he could be a starter. But then maybe not. I mean, if the Bucks win the first two games by 25 points each, do they mess with it? Probably not. But I I wouldn't be surprised if by... Maybe not game three, but by maybe, say, game four, if he was back at least able to play starters minutes. And then it depends, really, how the series is going and what kind of rhythm the Bucks have going, what Bud decides to do from there. Your thoughts? I think he eventually gets in the conference finals, starts conference finals. I don't know what point. I'll, yeah, I just think he, I think he's going to be in the starting lineup at some point in the conference finals. Because he's already practiced. They, I mean, there was, I know, a recent low post. They said, like, they were kind of shocked that he wasn't already in. He's already practiced multiple five and fives. Like, they certainly were cautious, and obviously for good reason. And again, it wasn't like they were. The real detail from that was that Tony Snell was held out for two weeks as a precaution to end the regular season. That was the big takeaway I had. But that was a bad ankle, though. I think it might also have been, you know, Bud is like, Tony, it's just a precaution. That's why you're not playing right now. It's a precaution. You just cheer from the bench there. But, yeah. Lastly, from our David Dunn 21. Question of the week. I mean, you've got to make these questions weekly for that to work. But anyway. Chris Middleton against the Celtics. What a legendary game. One awful game. Three games that range from mediocre to sort of bad. How do you and Jordan, I repeat, and Jordan, predict you will fare against the Raptors. Um, I do like one thing about this question, and that is the emphasis that Jordan has to answer it as well. And maybe it's reaching the point where all of our mailbag listeners should answer, should ask their questions like this. <laughs> you know, just place an emphasis on they want to hear Jordan's opinion. Would that make a difference? But again, I, what, what does my opinion hold? What does it matter? I've been wrong about this team from the get-go. There are are large numbers of people very large actually at the moment thank you all nope. for listening listening to ridiculously long episodes more people than ever and they're like let's listen to three hours of mcgee and tresky yeah i mean have you not got better things to do with your time <laughs> <laughs> well i ask that every day <laughs> but thank you so the yeah. answer the answer to that is there are lots of people who want to know jordan tresky has to say, or at least maybe there's lots of people who enjoy not getting to hear what he has to say, but getting to go along for the ride in the meantime. Anyway, the question here, um, first of all, I would say that this is leading the witness, because I'm not just going to gloss over one legendary game, one awful game, three games that range from mediocre to sort of bad. They did not range from mediocre to sort of bad. If there's any range, they ranged from very good to sort of bad possibly mediocre i mean even his bad shooting games he had one bad game in this series but generally even when 
The last two he didn't shoot that well. He did other things pretty well, like play make. Um, for the series overall, uh, under 40% for the field, which is not good. But his 19.2 points did come on 47.2% from deep on 7.2 attempts per game. Well, that's per game. So obviously, you know, 7 of 10 shooting night helps but not entirely kind of single-handedly inflating that. Also 6.4 rebounds, 4.8 assists, one steal um, to just 2.4 turnovers. So a two to one assist to turnover ratio, really, really good. The kind of stuff that you, you're you happy when your point guard does that. And then net rating of 12.4, which was only surpassed by excluding Brogdon. Come on, you've got at least two of these names. Oh, Ursan? Yeah. Uh, George Hill. Yeah, and there's one more. Nico? Correct. Um, so, really fourth in net rating. Almost identical. He just edges out Giannis, but almost identical to Giannis. I'm sorry, David Dunn 21, because this is what you want to hear, but he had a great series. How would he do against the Raptors? Not as well, I would say. Or if he does incredibly well, his result, his numbers may not look the same because he'd be asked to do a different job and he'd be asked to do the most important job. And that is guard Kawhi Leonard. And it's something that we will talk about if the Raptors do prevail. But Chris was kind of exceptional at that particular job this season. You remember that too, right? What what was the game? Well, they won both the games well, in Toronto. Well, Kawhi well one was a national televised run one, right? Yeah, right? well, Kawhi didn't play the first one, just neither did Giannis. Um I believe it was that second game though, where he defended Kawhi really, really well. I mean, and I mean genuinely about as well as anyone has done this season. Um, I think that's what the books will need him to do. So what his offense ultimately looks like is kind of a different sort of deal. Um, I guess we wait and see. He is streaky. No one will deny that. Um, well, I was had 16 points, 7 of 20 shooting. In a 105-92 win for the Bucks, Last game that they played against each other. Did they play four times this year? They did, and the Bucks mm-hmm. won three of them. Kawhi's best shooting game against the Bucks this season was 50% from the field. He didn't shoot over 50% from the field once. He had an 8 of 18 in a 104-99 win. Is that the one you are talking about? No, it's a different one. Um, even his his best game, he shot 50%, 8 of 16, and he got to the line 15 times, and that was the Raptors' one win against the Bucks this season. But not exactly at the high level that he was. Pascal Siakam was the guy who played, yeah, he was, that was played the... really well against the Bucks. And I'm going to go out on a limb. That's not going to happen in this series. 
they won't let that happen. I can think of one individual in particular who is going to make sure that doesn't happen. Because that is going to be his job. George Hill. Sure, why not? Um, not the guy who might win Defensive Player of the Year, but George Hill. No, really, to be honest. Anyway, oh. that is it for us for this episode. Um, I can't tell you when we'll be back because we don't know. We'll see how this game six between the Raptors and Sixers plays out. And I would guess that you will hear from us on Sunday if the Raptors win. And if the Sixers win, you will hear from us later than that. (laughs) Seems about right. Until then. And to make sure you catch that episode, make sure you subscribe to Snapple Podcast, Falls and SoundCloud, Addison Stitcher, Favorites and TuneIn Radio, and Falls on Spotify. You can also follow us on Twitter at winin 6 podcast That's at winin number 6 podcast Myself, Jordan, and uh, some of the people you've got to know on recent podcasts and many more that you may still get to know in the future. You can read our work on BehindTheBookPass.com. Books articles every day. And probably some more breakdown of this series there, but then quite a lot of preview content in a pretty short space of time, I'd imagine, once we do have a clearer picture of what comes next. Until the next time, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.